episode 886. The Green Bay Packers are eliminated from playoff contention. Aaron Rodgers is on injured reserve, and no Packers are in the Pro Bowl. We'll discuss the disappointment with Nathan Yankee of Pro Football Focus. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. Today we're looking back at the Panthers game and what's transpired since that time. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com as we are every Wednesday during the season. Nathan, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. Thanks for coming on the show. We got a lot to get to, Nathan. And let's start with Aaron Rodgers' return. Let's dissect his play. What did he do good at? What did he do bad at? Because there was a little bit of both this past weekend. Yeah, on the bright side, Rodgers was able to make some of the throws that he's usually able to make, so that was good to see. He just wasn't able to make them as consistently as usual. I think the fourth quarter touchdown he threw was a good example of uh, Rodgers, when he's at his best, uh, making some good plays. Um, Also, running the ball, he was probably at his best uh, game running the ball all season with the one design run and then a couple uh, times where he decided to scramble on a passing play. Um, The downside is he wasn't as consistent as usual. Uh, A lot of times he was either throwing either behind the receiver or under through the ball, uh, which isn't as typical of him to do, which I'm guessing has to do with the injury. Um, Sometimes defenders aren't able to take advantage of quarterbacks when they're at their worst, but uh, in this game Carolina was able to. Um, A lot of Rodgers' worst throws were turned into interceptions, so uh, that didn't go well for the Packers. Um, As I mentioned last week, the Panthers have been blitzing a lot this year. They did on 30 of the Packers' 53 passing plays, so that was a ton, and that included um, all three plays where there were interceptions. So um, now that his season's done, um, and and now that he's entering the offseason, I'm guessing the negatives aren't something to be worried about since I'm guessing they were injury-related, and uh, that should hopefully be fine by the start of the 2018 season. We'll have more on Aaron Rodgers going on injured reserve later this episode, so stay tuned. But Nathan, uh, moving on, over the past three weeks, running back Aaron Jones has done his damage on just a few amount of carries. Is he being underutilized by the Packers offense? I think he is. I think he, especially this past game, clearly outperformed Williams in the run game. Uh, the two longest runs for the Packers in the entire game were by Jones, and he only ran the ball three times. So, um, And his shortest run was still longer than Williams' average yards per carry. Um, and while I think Jones should definitely be seeing more carries than Williams over these next two games, um, I don't see his role increasing too much because Williams is still uh, the clearly better back in passing situation so far. Uh, Jones still hasn't had a game where he's had double-digit receiving yards. And this is the second straight game where he has allowed some pressure in the past game where Williams has been a bit more consistent both as a receiver and in pass protection. So 
Um, while I think Jones is being underutilized, I don't foresee his role expanding too much until he can start improving on his pass play game. Yeah, I'm just hoping he gets a few more carries more than anything, but I understand Jamal Williams isn't exactly playing poorly. Um, Nathan, I, I'm curious about how Randall Cobb has done after the catch this season and how he compares to the rest of the NFL, because it seems to me like he does pretty well when the Packers can get him the ball in some open space to operate, but he struggles in traffic to get any separation. I agree with that. Uh, He's been averaging 6.6 yards after the catch per catch, which is uh, the best that he's had since his rookie season, and it's also the best for all wide receivers who have at least 50 catches so far this season. So, uh, when he's getting the ball in his hand, he's doing well. Um, just made five players miss tackles on him, which is right around average for how many catches he has. So um, a lot of it's been uh, to do with his speed there. Um, an interesting note with him, he had gone uh, an incredible 26 straight games without dropping a pass, but then this past game he dropped two passes. So uh, that streak's now over. So. Um, I think the problem with him is a lot of his targets are on shorter passes where they're trying to get him the ball in open space, which makes a lot of sense. But he's not getting a high yards per catch because of how much he has to do. So um, I think he's been doing a good job all season of what the Packers have been asking him to do. But ideally, they'd be asking him to do even more, and he'd be able to succeed at that as well. Um, at the tight end position, Nathan, how was Richard Rodgers able to do so well this past Sunday? He actually led the team in yards per reception, and that's not something I'm sure he's ever been able to do before. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with the timing of the game and when those plays occurred. Um, a lot of his good catches came late in the game when uh, the opponent had the lead, and during those times, you want to prevent the wide receivers from making catches so they don't get out of bounds. So uh, that made Rodgers a clear candidate for uh, targets there. Um, three big catches all came within the last four minutes of the game. Uh, both the first down on the crossing route as well as his touchdown, uh, they were definitely good plays from him, but you could also argue that uh, they were worse plays for the Panthers, uh, defensive players that were supposed to be uh, guarding him. So um, at that point, He's really not someone that you expect to have a big game since he hadn't been doing it all game long. So I think it's just a combination of uh, he had the opportunity, the timing was right, and he was able to take advantage of it. We're talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought safety rookie Josh Jones struggled. Can we pinpoint where his struggles came? I think a lot of it had to do with um, him having to face Greg Olson, and uh, Olson over the past few years has been one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Uh, This year was injured most of the year and hadn't done much since coming back from injury, but uh, this was his best game of the season. Uh, Jones allowed four catches, three of them were to Olson, and uh, he was pretty out of position on some of those as well, so I think it was just the matchup that got the best of him. Um, I think on the bright side, he did make a couple nice plays in the run game. Uh, He did have a tackle for a loss. He did have a play where he was able to beat a block, so the running back decided to go in the other direction. So uh, while this was his worst game on coverage of his young career, I do think it was the best he's done in the run game with 
making a couple plays and not making mistakes um, in at least a couple weeks. Well, that's good to hear. Um, also uh, good to hear. Uh, I know we've done this once before, but I think it's appropriate to do again. Can we look at how Demarius Randall has done since his benching in week four? Because I think he's played quite well, including this past Sunday against the Panthers. Sure. Starting with this game against the Panthers, I think he had a decent game. Uh, just uh, He had one nice play to start off with uh, in the third quarter, was able to hit bunches, which prevented him from making the catch. Um, earlier in the game, there were two game, or two plays that weren't as good. Uh, he allowed one catch for a first down. Um, another target where Cam overthrew the pass, so even though Randall wasn't in a great position, um, it wasn't a good pass, so it didn't end up mattering. So um, over the course of a game, if you're only allowing one catch, that's pretty good for a cornerback, and this is the second straight week where Randall's done that. Um, over the past five games, he's allowed just 101 receiving yards, which uh, that's a bit fewer than what he allowed in the first two games combined. So definitely has been improving as the season's gone on. Um, an interesting note with him as well over these past five games is uh, quarterbacks have only been throwing his way uh, once in every ten pass plays where Randall's on the field. So um, right now he's one of the most avoided cornerbacks in the NFL, which is a little surprising. Yeah, I'd say so for sure. Um, Nathan, uh, where was the Packers pass rush this past Sunday? Uh, was it because Nick Perry was playing through injury or who's to blame there? I think the blame can go to a number of players. The Packers did get pressure on eight of the 35 plays, which is uh, not as much as you'd like to see. Um, with the pressures, it only resulted in one sack. So you'd like to see um, them convert a little bit more of their pressures into sacks and then uh, Cam was able to throw for a touchdown on one of the plays where he was under pressure, uh, ran a couple more times. So even when the Packers did get pressure, it wasn't really resulting in um, much success for Green Bay. Um, I think the blame can go to a number of players here. Uh, Kyler Fackrell didn't get any pressure on any of his opportunities. Uh, Mike Daniels didn't, and neither did Nick Perry. Uh, Clay Matthews had one hit, but he was unblocked on the play. So, um on the season as a whole, I think the starters have been playing above average football, but I think Clark's the only one that has met or exceeded expectations. And then there really hasn't been any backups this season that have consistently stepped up and helped the pass rush. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate uh, through the, for the Packers' pass rush. Um, Nathan, we, we mentioned at the outset of the show, uh, no Packers players voted into the Pro Bowl um, which Packers player was most deserving uh, of that honor, uh, do you think? I would go with David Bakhtiari, and I think that's a clear selection there. Um, he's someone that's not only the biggest snub from the Packers, but probably one of the top three or four biggest snubs of all of the Pro Bowl. Uh, Bakhtiari has been playing amazing football so far this season. Um, I mentioned on Twitter earlier this week uh, how much pressure he's allowed each game, and it's either been zero pressures allowed each game or one pressure allowed each game. He has yet to have any single edge defender get the best of him so far this year. Um, I can understand that he did miss a couple games, which probably hurt his candidacy a little bit, plus others have a bit more of a reputation. But even in addition to playing well every single game so far in pass protection, uh, this has been his best season. He's had run blocking as well. 
um, at something early in his career that was really a negative for him. And just year after year, he's been improving there. And this year, he's been an asset in the run game rather than a liability there. So I would definitely say David Bakhtiari, he's the top-graded left tackle in football right now. Yeah, he's really good, no doubt about it. Uh, Nathan, before we let you go, it, it's the holiday season. Christmas is just around the corner. Uh, for, the, for the people out there who are thinking about maybe getting a subscription to PFF for themselves or for uh, the football fan in their life, uh, what can they do? Yeah, I think the best thing they can do this holiday season is get PFF Edge either for someone or your, get, uh, for yourself um, with PFF Edge. Uh, it's $40 for an entire year, so it would last you till next December, uh, depending on whatever day you get it. Uh, with that, you would get our NFL player grade, so you would get the grade for every NFL player updated each week um, based on how well they've been doing their, during the season, where they rank at their position, along with snap counts. We also give a ton of great fantasy information, which if you're in your fantasy championship game this upcoming week, I can help you there or help you all next fantasy season too. Um, we have draft coverage as well. We already have a 2018 NFL draft guide out for so you can see which players the Packers should already start looking at drafting, along with a couple other nice tools in there as well. And uh, we also have something where you can get this subscription. So if you go to Pro Football Focus, we have an option for you uh, so you can give this subscription to someone else. So. That's all set up for you as well if you're interested in giving a PFF Edge this holiday season. Very cool. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us today. Greatly appreciate your insight. And we'll uh, break down the Vikings game next week, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, as always, for having me. And uh, have a happy holiday season. Same to you. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. And Railbird Central, by the way, is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's forthcoming beer bar opening in the spring of 2018. I hope to see you there in the very near future. Um, But let's talk some Packers news. There's a lot to get to since we didn't have an episode on Monday here during the holidays. I apologize. Uh, But since the Packers lost to the Panthers 31-24 on Sunday, they were then eliminated from playoff contention on Monday Night Football when the Atlanta Falcons beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had the Bucs won, the Packers would still be alive. Maybe Aaron Rodgers would still be playing. But this officially ends a streak of eight consecutive seasons in which the Packers qualified for the playoffs. That's a little bit sad, and this also makes official the lowest draft position the Packers will have in the past eight years as well. Uh, Not that they're going to have a top five draft pick or anything like that, but uh, it's going to be lower then the teams, even even if the Packers would have a better record than, say, some team from the AFC that made the playoffs, they'll still be below them in the draft order because all the playoff teams, they're, they're at the highest no matter where you are uh, in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I think I'll, there's a lot of discussion. I'm not going to go in-depth on it here. Uh, we can do that another time, um, and, and I'm sure in the very near future we will about you know what 
the fallout from this season is going to be and specifically changes that are going to have to happen coaching wise and personnel wise. Uh, and the coaching wise is going to come pretty quickly. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who are upset at Dom Capers um, and, and, you know, his failure to put a competitive defense out on the field, not just this season, but for the past couple of seasons. Not that it hasn't, you know, not that it's been the worst in the NFL, but there are certainly aspects in which it has been near the bottom uh, for the past couple of years. And, you know, the Packers are eliminated now. There's nothing they can do to change that. I don't think they needed to send a message by firing Dom Capers immediately after the game. I think they do have to make a change after the season. It it gradually kind of became that way over the season. I've kind of always supported Dom Capers, especially, you know, earlier when he first came to the Packers. It's kind of, you know, progressively eroded. And, you know, it was good at a point. Very good. You know, when the Packers won the Super Bowl and even the, the couple of years before they won the Super Bowl were very good. And since that time, uh, it, it had eroded. It had maybe hit a uh, you know gone up and down a little bit um but you know over the course of time progressively gone down um and, and you know i i think what we're going to see happen here is dom capers retiring at the end of the season i think you certainly give him that option you know dom capers has been at this a long time i think he deserves that and you know <laughs> obviously if he doesn't want to retire then you're going to have to make the decision and probably fire him but i mean with a guy like dom capers you give him that option uh what he wants to do and allow him to retire on his own terms and obviously the packers can do this here for the next two weeks you you can live with dom capers for two weeks now you got to make changes in the offseason and i'm not exactly sure what the packers do at this point as far as who may be candidates for the defensive coordinator job but again that's that's a talking point for another episode down the road uh moving on uh we mentioned earlier that uh the packers have officially placed aaron Rodgers on injured reserve as of tuesday and so his season officially comes to an end. And there's no coming back from injured reserve this time. Uh, the Packers have no more players to come off injured reserve. They they use their two designations already on Rodgers and Jason Spriggs. So this is it. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I, I didn't think the Packers would do this, to be honest. I, I thought he would continue playing even if the Packers were in playoff contention, but you know what? I mean, he wasn't 100% out there. Not that he couldn't play. He did play, and there were times he did well, but what was so uncharacteristic in this past game were the underthrows by Aaron Rodgers. You just don't see that happen very often with him when he's healthy out there, and I'm talking for the first 10 years of his career. Uh, sure. Has he underthrown a player before? Yes. Has he ever underthrown a player as much as he did in a single game against the Panthers this past Sunday? I don't think I've ever seen that. 
Um, it, it was a little bit weird. I'm sure the injury had a little bit to do with it. I mean, what was nice to see is that, you know, he took a couple hits on the shoulder, especially in the second half of that game. And, and we know it didn't re-break. I mean, that's what, you know, Rodgers and the coaches have said. Um, I'm sure he sore a little bit, but you can understand with the Packers eliminated from playoff contention, Aaron Rodgers not at 100%, that they would make this move and just allow him to get healthy and, you know, get ready for the 2018 season more or less. Uh, There's no reason to put undue pressure on him when, you know, when he's not 100% and when the Packers really don't have anything to play for per se. Um, So I get it. I get it. Even though I did think he would continue to play, uh, I understand why they made this move. It wasn't a strong opinion of mine, uh, but uh, I thought he would keep playing, and and now the season officially comes to an end. Uh, When the Packers officially activated Rodgers to the 53-man roster before the Panthers game, they had released Joe Callahan, and now... Uh, Callahan basically just spent one game as a free agent that didn't sign anywhere. Um, the Packers were now able to re-sign him. Uh, now that Rodgers has uh, gone on IR, uh, Joe Callahan is once again uh, a part of the Packers' 53-man roster, and uh, he'll be part of the quarterback equation for the remaining two games. Uh, I assume Brett Hundley's the man here. Uh, but maybe the Packers get Callahan involved. Uh, perhaps it they wait until week 17 to do it. Uh, we shall see. Maybe it'll depend on how Brett Hundley does in this next game. But Joe Callahan at least will be eligible to play for the Packers for the remainder of the season. Uh, the Packers made a couple other, you know, rather minor roster moves. One that was a little bit surprising is that they released quarterback Gerard Evans from the practice squad. And I I just thought with with Rodgers' season officially being over, I mean, the practice squad quarterback is essentially the number three quarterback. Because, I mean, if either Brett Hundley or Joe Callahan were to get injured, I mean, they would then become the backup. And you could need them for week 17, perhaps. Uh, So I just thought, you know, with, with two weeks left, the Packers would would you know keep Gerard Evans around even if they didn't think he he would be a factor in the off season or going into next season. They would just you know have that insurance policy in place and a guy who has been learning the offense now for several weeks. Um, but that isn't the case, so I'm not sure if they plan on on bringing in another quarterback for the remainder of the season here and and seeing if it's somebody who can compete for a job in the off season. Um, we'll see what they do there. Uh, but then the Packers also released fullback Joe Carriage um, on Tuesday, uh, a guy whose main role has been mostly on special teams. Uh, but that opened up a roster spot. And what the Packers did to fill it, while it's not official yet, the Packers haven't announced the move or it hasn't appeared on the NFL's transaction wire, it was reported by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network that the Packers are signing offensive lineman Dylan Day off the off the Broncos practice squad. Um, so he goes on the Packers' 53-man roster. He'll take that spot essentially vacated by the release of Carriage. Um, this is clearly a move that the Packers think you know somewhat highly of Day, 
and they're seeing if he might be a part of their future. You know, by signing him now, they can keep him in the fold during the offseason and let him compete for a job next season. I'm not saying necessarily a starting job, but a spot on their roster. Uh, I wouldn't expect we see much out of him these final two weeks, uh, but I suppose I wouldn't rule anything out at this point. It's more a case where they let, where they probably, you know, uh, Dylan Day is now a third-year NFL player. He spent most of his career on the practice squad up to this point, mostly with the uh, Denver Broncos, uh, during which he was, you know, part of the Super Bowl squad that they won. He was on the practice squad, but he was around for it. Um, that, that, you know, they like what they've seen probably in preseason play or even scouting him back to college. And they're like, Hey, let's, let's give this guy a shot. We've got at this open roster spot. We're now thinking about 2018 beyond. We think he can be a part of the 53 man roster next year, potentially. So why not get him in now, get him in the fold. Um, we can re-sign him or sign him to a contract extension in the off season or to a futures contract or whatever it is that they do. I, I guess it wouldn't be a futures contract, but it, you know, they, they can let him compete for a job here uh, going forward. So uh, that's the roster moves. The Packers have made this week and other Packers related news here. Uh, Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis has been suspended two games for his hit on Devontae Adams. And I can't say I disagree. Uh, I think it was pretty ridiculous in this game that Davis had to go for a kill shot uh, on what was an interception and more or less blindsided him. You know, I don't fault a player for making a block. Like, I mean... And I, I'm I'm not saying making a, a block like he did, but I'm just saying you, you can go make the block. But you know uh, he's being blindsided. The the defender can you know Thomas. Uh, I shouldn't say I, he's technically on the offensive side after the you know interception happens. But you know he he can see that Adams isn't looking. Uh, I mean he knows that. Yeah, he that I know plays happen quickly. But you know that during the interception, he can tell that Adams had his turn. And if he can't tell that, then Davis or anybody making the block needs to get their guys up. There was plenty of time to see that. And you just don't know. I have no clue why you got to go for the kill shot on something like that. All he had to do was get in his way, essentially screen him like a basketball screen. And it would have been fine. These are the hits that need to come out of the game of football. This is why people get up in arms, and this is why he's been suspended for three games. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, a fines going to be involved here. Um, maybe the NFL has to, you know, make penalties worse for flagrant penalties, uh, the kind in, you know are like this, the unsportsmanlike penalties. Maybe there's got to be a 20-yard penalty or something like that to help eliminate these from the game um, because that, that really was, you, you know, you, you feel bad for Devontae Adams, who's now suffered two concussions, uh, and these weren't the first of his career. He's had concussions before this as well. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for the time being, Adams is still in as of yesterday, according to all the reports that I've seen. You know, he remains in the concussion protocol, 
And you have to imagine the Packers aren't going to take a chance of him having to play the rest of the season, seeing as he's now suffered two concussions. I, I just can't see it happening. Uh, I don't, you know, it, it could, first of all, just take longer for him to get out of the concussion protocol. Uh, but I can see the, you know, the medical staff taking a more cautious approach. Um, but even if he is cleared, whether it's this week or next week, you know, maybe the Packers just say, we're not going to take the chance. We're eliminated from playoff contention anyway. And, you know, Adams rests the rest of the year. Um, I, I can't blame him for wanting to do that. I can't blame the Packers for wanting to do that. And hopefully Devontae Adams gets better. And hopefully he's ready for the 2018 season because he's played so well. And I think he can be a big part of this Packers offense moving forward. Other Packers news. The Packers were one of five teams in the NFL that didn't have a single player make the Pro Bowl. Not to say that they couldn't make it as a replacement going forward. Um, but uh, as, as, as for the voting... You know, none of no Packers players made the initial rosters as they were released. Um, you know, I, I think had players been healthy, they would have made it. it. You know, it certainly didn't help that Aaron Rodgers missed half the season with an injury and is now on injured reserve, going to miss more than half the season. If Aaron Rodgers was healthy, he'd probably be out there. David Bakhtiari missed four games. Uh, that didn't help his. We we already talked with Nathan Yankee. That was his choice of, you know, one of the most deserving players who didn't make it, not just for the Packers, but the entire NFL. But the fact that Bakhtiari missed four games, you know, that didn't help his cause, nor did the fact that he missed time in the games that he was injured. You know, he misses times in those games as well. So he really missed more than four games. And that was that was tough for him to overcome that because I do think, you know, he had about one bad game this year that we talked about. But other than that, he's been fantastic and, and really one of the best left tackles in the entire NFL and offensive linemen in general for that matter. And, and you know what? It didn't even help that Mike Daniels missed two games. Uh, had he just been out there and starting, that looks better. You know, there would be an opportunity for a couple more tackles, a couple more sacks. Uh, had he not, you know, missed two games, maybe he would be in the Pro Bowl as well. So so that really did hurt there. But uh, telling you the the alternates for the Pro Bowl, Mike Daniels is a first alternate. So there's actually a fairly good chance that he could still play in his first Pro Bowl game. Uh, if guys make the Super Bowl and they come out, or uh, I, I honestly haven't even looked very closely at the Pro Bowl rosters, but you know, if somebody suffers an injury and they pull out, Mike Daniels could easily get in. And, and then fullback Aaron Ripkowski is another first alternate at the fullback position. That's really probably more a product of you know, there's not that many fullbacks in the NFL, and not all that many are that are used heavily and Aaron Ripkowski isn't even all used that heavily in the Packers offense not that he's played poorly this season uh but maybe Aaron Ripkowski makes it too we'll see uh other alternates not first alternates but other you know further down the line alternates for the Packers uh David Bakhtiari is one of them 
Uh, Devontae Adams is another, even though I can't imagine he would play in the Pro Bowl even if he made it. Clay Matthews is one. And then punter Justin Vogel uh, is an alternate for uh, the Pro Bowl. And, and that just goes to show how nice of a season he's had, especially for a rookie. Uh, you can imagine if, if Justin Vogel can just improve a little bit on what he's done this year. The Packers going to have a pretty nice punter on their hands and one they didn't even have to invest a draft pick into. Uh, that may be their best undrafted rookie of the year right there, Justin Vogel. Uh, congratulations to him and all the alternates. Um, maybe you'll make the Pro Bowl. We'll see. Uh, let's move on here. The day ahead. The day ahead. Uh, practice continues Wednesday in what is an atypical work of we, uh, week of work for the Green Bay Packers because of the upcoming Saturday game against the Minnesota Vikings instead of the usual Sunday. As you know, late in the year, uh, the NFL occasionally plays a handful of games on Saturdays late in the season as you know they no longer compete against college football uh, or at least you know, there's not a full slate of college football games. There are bowl games going on now. Uh, the Packers already practiced on Tuesday. And, and while they released an injury report, uh, it didn't list practice participation such as limited or out. But it did list some new injuries, including some names that you might not have expected. Uh, of course, there's names you, you expected to see, such as Devontae Adams and his concussion. But, but here's a, a sampling of some other players that appear on the injury report of this week. Linebacker Vince Beagle with a groin. Uh, offensive lineman Jari Evans with a back injury. Linebacker Clay Matthews with a hamstring injury. Yes, the hamstring is bothering Matthews again. Uh, linebacker Jake Ryan with a knee injury. Linebacker Ahmad Brooks with a back injury. Uh, defensive lineman Quinton Dial with chest and knee injuries, so more than one there. Devon House, shoulder and back injuries. Uh, Nick Perry continues to be listed as well. Uh, that doesn't come as unexpected. Uh, so several Packers players dealing with issues here. Uh, maybe we'll learn a little bit more about these when Mike McCarthy holds his pre-practice press conference at 10.45 a.m. Central Time. That, of course, streamed live on the Packers' official website at Packers.com. Wednesday afternoon, uh, the Packers will release uh, another injury report. This time it will list practice participation as well, so we'll get a little bit better idea of where these players are at. Um, Then also on Wednesday, the coaches' press conferences take place as well, the assistant coaches. It's the defensive assistant coaches and coordinators this week. That happens at 4.40 p.m. Central Time. Normally this would happen on a Thursday, but again, because of the atypical work week, it's pushed up a day because the Packers play on Saturday. So that's what we're looking forward to uh, here on a Wednesday evening, Kenny Clark hosts his radio show in the evening, uh, 6 o'clock p.m. on the WDUZ stations in Green Bay. You can also stream those online. So that's what's happening in the world of the Green Bay Packers, and that brings a close to today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to Nathan Yonke of Pro Football Focus.com for being our guest. Uh, Nathan, Follow Nathan on Twitter, PFF underscore Nate Yankee is his Twitter handle. Um, 
Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. Um, that's going to do it uh, from uh, everyone. Uh, on behalf of everyone at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Song in My Head by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later. Go Pack Go.